Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. I am your host, Dr. Julieta Gabiola, clinical professor of medicine at Stanford University. What drew me to medicine was the science, the innovation, and the promise for a comfortable life. But what has kept me in medicine are the real people, their lives, and their stories, as well as the translation of medical innovations into practical applications. This podcast will explore experiences beyond the walls and corridors of the hospital, laboratories, and clinics. I invite you to share in our journey seeking to preserve and improve our lives, our sense of balance, and our well-being. Helmet-based ventilation, is it new? Every innovation leads to a new thing, but not every new thing is an innovation. Some innovations are old, but may have new creative applications and may even provide practical solutions for that matter. Some innovations may be very simple, but may have powerful impact or may lead to meaningful outcomes. Helmet-based ventilation is one of these innovations which offers practical solutions during COVID or non-COVID times. It is my pleasure to introduce my guest, Aurika Savitskaide, who will help us understand the role of helmet-based ventilation in the hospital to prevent intubation and to provide positive and expiratory pressure in the lung when needed. She will help us understand the impact of the helmet on nurses, respiratory therapists, and hospitalists or intensivists. Aurika Saviskache is a registered nurse, completed a master's of science in nursing from Rush University, my alma mater in medicine. She was actively involved in a three-year-long project and testing of a helmet-based ventilation in the ICU at the University of Chicago, a program led by Dr. Bhakti Patel. Aurika and her team then produced a training program for professionals highlighting the use of helmet ventilation in acute respiratory distress syndrome be it due to COVID or other respiratory syndromes. Her goal is to create and provide the global medical community the training necessary on the use of the helmet-based ventilation. Good morning, Aurika. Good morning, Professor Gabiola. Thank you so much for having me here. And I'm very excited to share my knowledge with you and looking for a great conversation here. How is it up there? Well, it's vocation. I'm always working because I can do training online from anywhere. So most of the time I'm actually on a Zoom call and I'm talking with clinicians or uh, responding to emails and communicating. As you know now, what is happening in Europe, the war in Ukraine. So we're trying to arrange some medical support for the civilians and to the wounded in Ukraine. So it is a nice place to be, definitely, but I never stop working. You never stop working. So the rest of all of us, right? I am really so pleased to welcome you. We do have many similarities. We're both nurses. We both immigrated to the United States and now both American citizens. As I mentioned, we're both registered nurses in the ICU, went to the same school at Rush University, and now involved in innovations in healthcare and perpetually working. 
Yes, exactly. I feel like you have to have that personality. I see you nurse personality, always on the run, always keeping yourself busy and doing more all the time. I'm going above and beyond. Yeah, you're doing so well in terms of providing all this helmet support to Ukraine. I applaud you for that. That's a sad event that we're involved in. Before we get inside the helmet, could you tell us what moved you to choose the helmet-based technology for your capstone paper when you were doing your master's in nursing at the University of Chicago? Very good question, because we immigrated to United States and we both worked in the hospitals back home. My home was Lithuania. You worked as a nurse in Philippines. And you know, when you come to U.S. and you see all this technology that is available in ICUs, all this high-tech technology that is just so fascinating. I loved learning about it. And it was so exciting to be there with the team and to bring more and more innovation and high-tech. And then one day when I saw the helmet, I was thinking, wait a second, there's no buttons to push. There is nothing super fancy about that helmet. How is that going to work? So it looked kind of a little bit funny and the but when I saw the results when I saw these patients who were able to take a breath who were able to rest who were able to go over that most difficult stage in their disease where the ventilator was right next to them and they were ready to intubate the patient right and because Dr. Patel did the study with patients who has ARDS and PF ratio was 200 and less so these patients are very very sick so definitely it was done in the ICU. And the results showed, and again, I saw these patients who benefit from a helmet. Unfortunately, I saw patients who didn't benefit from helmet, but most of them did in comparison to patients who used face masks for the non-invasive ventilation. So I wanted to share that with my colleagues at Rush University. I wanted to share that with my professors there. And that's why I made the decision to write a capstone paper about a patient who was immunocompromised, who was very sick, but who was able to avoid intubation thanks to the helmet-based ventilation. Wow, that is very inspiring in terms of taking this old technology and bringing it to the modern medical care now. And I hear that it's really uh, used so much in Italy. And why is that? Italy had been using this technology for 20 years. And uh, obviously it worked very well there and it worked during the pandemic. Right. Tell us about the experience in Italy and how that can be transported to the U.S. and to other countries. You said it so well. Old technology that unfortunately is new to us here in U.S. and other countries. So Italy was the first country that started to use helmets for the non-invasive ventilation and more for the CPAP type of therapy. The reason why, because we've been using this over 20 years now. The reason why, because back then we had big shortage of ICU rooms and all the ICU resources, including like ventilators, nurses, who can take care of these patients. So the focus was how can we improve on a technology that we're using for patients in respiratory distress to avoid them getting into the ICU, to avoid them to getting intubated. So we started to use CPAP and we use the CPAP helmet for even pre-admission. 
So when the ambulance bring the patient who is in a respiratory distress, they put the helmet on because it's so easy to put the helmet on even in an environment like an ambulance or a helicopter, right? That was the beginning. And we saw how much patients improved even on arrival to the emergency room Mm -hmm. and how quickly the patients were able to recover, especially when the other therapies started to work. Again, it depends what the condition patients came with, what was the pathology. But that was the main reason why we used helmets so much. And even today, let's say if you have one patient that is using face masks, three patients will have a helmet at the same time. Every day, you know, use the interface by nurses, by doctors, and it's nothing new for the Italians. So this is why you will see a lot of studies coming from Italy, because that's why we use the most. And very important to understand when you're reading these studies that a helmet NIV is very different than helmet CPAP. So make sure that you know that helmet NIV is usually a bi-level ventilation. So you're setting up pressure support and PEEP, where helmet CPAP is where you're setting only the flow and the PEEP values. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. again, it's very interesting, simple device, but for us, it's still new. So definitely education, training should be in place to make sure that we can shorten that learning curve, to make sure that we can succeed better in a non-invasive ventilation with a helmet. So that was the reason why I created that course that is available online and anyone can access now and learn. It's four hours and covering everything that I know about helmets, everything that I learned from helmet experts in US and also in Italy. I'm so excited now. Let's see the helmet. Go through the helmet, what it has and what it looks like. So our audience could see it, and but they can't feel it, but they could see it. I'm excited. I always like to talk about helmets. So in U.S., we have a few helmets that are FDA, EUA approved to be used for patients in respiratory distress. So one of the helmets is made in U.S. in Rhode Island. The name of it is Sepsil. And another helmet is important from Italy, and it's a StarMed. Today, I have only one with me because, as you know, I'm traveling, so I cannot bring all my helmets here. But this is the helmet that has, as you can see, it is a plastic hood, and now it's not inflated. So, But when it inflates, it becomes very nice and clear. So patients can have a clear view, and nothing is touching the patient's face when it inflates. We have a nice, stretchy neck collar here. So this is where the seal will be. This is what is very important. With the face mask, we have a seal right here on the face. And because of that, different facial contours, trauma, or some older patients who have no teeth, it's so hard to fit that face mask. This type of seal is universal because it's much easier to have a good seal around the neck than the face, especially when we're increasing that P, the positive and expiratory pressure, right? So as you can see, again, it looks a little bit funny. That's how it, I felt when I saw it for the first time. We use different helmets, but still the concept is the same. Now, what is nice, you put this helmet on a patient and you don't have to remove in case patient needs oral care or take a sip of water or even have a liquid diet of some food, take the pills or anything because we have a patient access right here. So patient access is opening like this and you can fit your hand inside and 
do access the patient's face and perform nursing care or anything what the patient needs at that moment. What is nice, now the interruption of non-invasive ventilation is minimum because the moment you close it, the helmet inflates in seconds. And if you look at my videos that I have on YouTube and on the website, you will see how quickly it inflates. Now, the reason why we have these underarm straps is because when the helmet inflates, it starts to rise up. So we wanted to keep it down and it helps to keep that neck seal intact. Also, it has a pillow, inflatable pillow, which is good for the comfort. And also it decreases dead space in a helmet, which helps with the ventilation, especially bi-level ventilation where pressure support needs to be set and peep and where ventilator should sense when the patient is inhaling and exhaling. Again, so that prevents that patient ventilator asynchrony during that therapy. So this is the hood. Now, we have two ports here, and some other hoods have more than one port. So one is the exit port, and I'm going to show you this one, where it has a antibacterial filter. And the reason why we're using it now is just because for COVID patients. But again, you can use it for different patients. You never know if this patient has a tuberculosis. And you wanted to minimize that exposure to the environment and others in a room or in a hospital or emergency room, right? especially when you're transferring patients. Again, it's a small space and you want to make sure that everyone is feeling safe there too. And this is the PEEP valve that I was talking about. Very easy. You can adjust the PEEP that you feel patient needs. And other end, this is where the flow is. So we have a special and uh, this tubing is very smooth inside. So what it does, it actually decreases the noise because the flow that you need for the helmet pressure support ventilation should not be less than 60 liters per minute. So it's a pretty high flow, right? So that can create some noise. Usually it's very easy to fix this issue. Some patients have headphones or earplugs, but also you can put another antibacterial filter right here at the air entrance side, and it's going to work like a muffler. So this is the helmet. Also other features that helps with the nursing care. You can put, if patient has a DAP hub or NG tube, you also can thread it through this access port, also central lines or any other stuff that patient's having. So that's how it is. Simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is very simple and it sort of is high tech. You know, it has filter to prevent a aerosol in the air. And then what I want to ask is, here you are, a sick patient, you put a helmet, a plastic over them. Uh, don't they get claustrophobic? And would it fit the neck of obese patient with a short neck and stuff like that? How does that feel on patients with a large neck? I mean, do people get claustrophobic? So very good question. I get this question all the time. I did a lot of research. I looked through many studies and looked to find out what is the rate of patients who get so anxious that they cannot use the helmet. And definitely there are, but actually the number is much lower than patients in the face mask. The reason why, and again, it depends on the team who is working with that patient. You want to make sure that you are very confident that you try the helmet yourself. Because it's much easier than to tell the patient, yes, I tried the helmet and it feels comfortable. I know how it feels and it gives that confidence for the patient to, to use it. Now, what is uh, important with the helmet that nothing is touching the patient's face. It's not occluding your nose and your mouth. So again, that 
type of ventilation is, I feel like that type of ventilation, like face masks can bring more anxiety than the helmet because you get the flow. You feel that flow always in your face and is nothing is touching. Your view is not obstructed. You can see, you can talk, you can hear. So that's very important to reduce the anxiety and make sure the patient is comfortable. Another thing I want to mention a very important benefit of the helmet is that there will be no skin ulcers on the face or necrosis, which is uh, terrible, as you know, complication for some patients. And we have to deal with this after we leave the ICU. And you and I, we usually don't see these patients, but we're really going to hell and through many procedures to fix that issue. Right. And also the patient could suction themselves or the nurse could yeah, easily yeah. suction the patient. And obviously the patient can eat and drink, right, while inside the helmet. But does it fog over? Like, do you get clouded or is your view always clear? Yeah. So also a good question. So with helmet, uh, usually you don't use any humidification. And the reason why, because your head works as a humidifier in a helmet. The air that you're exhaling is already humid. And if you see that the helmet is getting foggy, that means you're not giving enough flow or it's very humid. So like in some countries, it can be an issue. So definitely you want to make sure that uh, you increase the flow and you're in an environment where it's not too humid. Or if you use the humidifier, you want to make sure that it is on the lowest temperature. So the don't heat that that air so definitely that helps a lot oh okay so that could be adjusted and how about the neck uh, the yes. neck uh, seal is that adjustable yeah so these helmets some of them come with um and the uh, neck collar that you can actually cut based on the patient's uh, neck size the starman helmet that i just showed you have i believe six or even more different sizes so that's also very nice that you can, and it's been actually, it's used for the pediatric patients and it can be used for the obese patients or patients who have really big necks. Another very important thing to understand, the neck collar doesn't have to be tight. If it's tight, that means you chose the wrong size. If you don't know between two sizes, which one to choose, choose the bigger one. Because what's going to happen when it inflates, it nicely snuggles around the neck. It doesn't press on the neck. And with the pulling the helmet down, you will create that good seal around the neck. So again, it doesn't feel like really tight around your neck. It should feel comfortable like a turtleneck. Mm -hmm. That's nice to know. And how much does it cost? So helmets can run from $125 to $200. And again, it comes in a kit. So the kit will include a tubing or a peep valve or et cetera. So it depends on the company who's selling it. Now, the nice thing about the helmet, when you put it on a patient, let's say in an emergency room, the helmet can be used through the whole stay in a hospital. You don't have to change it. And this is what happens in Italy. We travel with the same helmet. If they need to go to the ICU or different units, this is what they do. Another nice thing is with the helmet, patients have less episodes of emesis, which, as you know, is very important to prevent aspiration. And even if it happens... Just imagine patient who has a face mask, who has an emesis versus the patient in a helmet. In a helmet, the aspiration 
chance is close to zero because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the air is not pushing your stomach content into your lungs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is the helmet technology is a segue before a patient needs to be intubated, correct? So the idea is you keep them on face mask or in the olden days, we had non-rebreathers and Venturi, but now we don't have the Venturi anymore in the U.S., I believe. So it's face mask or the helmet or you get intubated, right? So it actually may even help intubation and transport to the ICU because you could manage these patients in a regular floor unit, correct? Yes, and just want to clarify, helmet should be a first-line intervention. So the way to know if patient will be okay with the helmet, you wanted to find patients who are PEEP responsive. And helmet is a perfect interface to do that. So it's not just treating patient in ARDS or respiratory failure, it's also a diagnostic tool. Because with that PEEP, you and with the PEEP that you apply to the helmet, and after you do the ABG and you check the PF ratio, if it responded to that PEEP, you will know if patient is going to do well. Mm -hmm, If you mm -hmm. don't see that improvement, that means that maybe this patient needs to be intubated. So keep that patient close to the nursing station. Make sure this patient is monitored very well. And don't delay intubation. Again, this is a big mistake that people are doing. We use a helmet as a last resort, Mm -hmm. and that's not good. You are delaying intubation now, and this is why patient may not survive. So use as a first intervention for the patient and make sure that you start with the CPAP, which is so easy to set up. I just showed you the CPAP setup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then if the patient has still high work of breathing and uh, PCO2 is rising up, this is where the bi-level ventilation is needed to increase that ventilation to make sure that patient is getting more benefit from them. Yeah. So that's really good to know that not only that it's a therapeutic intervention, but it's also a clinical tool to decide if the patient needs intubation. So if they don't respond very well on the helmet, then they need to be intubated. And you will learn very quickly. It will take about 30 to 60 minutes. Yeah. You just send the ABG. You compare the ABG before and after, and you will see if patient is improving. That is nice because it's nice to be able to have a diagnostic tool on who will do well or not do well so you don't have to delay intubation. So the advantages of the helmet? Yeah. So as I mentioned, it gives you that non-interrupted, long-term, non-invasive ventilation or CBAC therapy for the patient. It is very comfortable. Nothing is touching the face. Patients don't feel pain on their face also. So that improves non-invasive ventilation. Also, you can increase the PEEP, where with the face mask, there are many limitations. If you are using higher PEEP, you will see that air leak around the face mask. So what happens, then you have to press it even harder to the face, and then, you know, the skin necrosis will start. So with the helmet, you can go really high on the PEEP, and Dr. Bhakti Patel used higher PEEP in the helmet patients than in the face mask patient because of that interface. Now, another thing, it is universal fit. So it doesn't matter what shape is your face. It doesn't matter if you have a beard or you have no teeth or you have trauma. Even patients who have trauma to the face, the seal is created around the neck. Infection control, as I said, there's less leaks around the neck, air leaks, and you can put the filter and it helps to prevent others from getting the disease. 
Also, everything is based on studies that are done with the helmet and other interfaces, and we show that. A patient can cough, can speak, can suction himself, drink, eat. Again, patient comfort is absolutely a must when we're going through such a rough time in an ICU or on an admission. Another thing, if patients do not intubate, that can be a last resort for them, which is, again, comfortable. And you don't know how long we're going to use it. I know COVID patients, they usually use it for a week or even more. So again, this is very important benefit for these patients who are on comfort care. They are feeling much better. Then you require, you don't have to give so much the pain medication. Again, as you know, pain medication and sedation interferes with your breathing. It makes it worse. Then you go through the vicious cycle Mm -hmm. and the risk of getting intubated, it's increasing. That's wonderful. So how could you see this technology help the workflow of nurses, the intensivists, the respiratory therapists? So again, with all these benefits that I mentioned, just think what the workflow will be. To put the helmet, you will need two people. That's one thing that is different than the face mask. But when you put it on, the next seal works right away. You don't have to adjust or do anything else. If you get the right size, and again, it can be a bigger helmet, you still will be able to create that good seal around the neck. Me personally, I tried large size and it worked even on my neck where I should probably wear a kid size. So that's very important because look, all these adjustments, it takes about an hour sometimes for you to adjust everything. Now with the helmet, it will take you first 15 minutes. Definitely you want to do make sure the patient is okay with the therapy that you're providing, but you don't have to worry about fitting the interface. Mm -hmm. And again, all the nursing care that can be provided, you don't have to take the helmet off. To take the patient, you just use patient access. Right, right. So So just open the port. But you mentioned something that actually I got a little bit curious. With the ventilator, you have alarm system, right? So if something is not working, it alarms. Because I remember that from the ICU. That's all I hear are alarms, right? But with the helmet, how do you monitor the patient? How do you monitor that it's the right peep, it's the right pressure, it's the right flow? Mm-hmm. Is there alarm system there? How do we monitor patients besides drawing blood gases, the arterial so, blood gases? Very good question and very important. So definitely you monitor the patient. There is a must. They have to be monitored with their vital signs and saturation and everything else, right? Now with the helmet CPAP, because the helmet doesn't have to be connected to any machine, you just use the flow from a wall gas that you have wall gas adapters or oxygen or gas blenders. So just to create that flow of 60 liters per minute. And we usually have all the dials to set up the FiO2, right? Now to measure the flow, there is also FDA approved device that you connect and it has an alarm. I'm gonna turn it on and see. You can hear how it is. It's not connected now to the flow, but it tells you what is the flow going through the helmet and also what's the actual pressure in a helmet. Because you want to make sure that pressure doesn't fluctuate up and down too much during Mm -hmm, the respiratory mm -hmm. cycle. If you see that, that means there is not enough flow. There is not enough support for the patient, right? With this device, you can see that. Also, there are other accessories that are simple, really cheap accessory where you can see the like a manometer that just attaches to one of these ports that I showed you on a helmet. And you will see what's the actual pressure in a helmet. 
because with the peep valve, different peeps, they should be calibrated. But again, if you're increasing the flow in the helmet, that pressure in the helmet will also go up. So if you have a peep of five and you increase the flow, probably the patient is getting peep of seven. Mm -hmm. I'm just giving as an example. So again, very good question. And this is why you wanted to monitor that. Yeah, that's nice. For the sake of our audience, could you clarify what's the meaning of PEEP? Yes. So the positive and expiratory pressure. And why is it important? Because when lungs are inflamed or has uh, fluid, like uh, let's say pulmonary edema, right? So what happens that PEEP pressure keeps the lungs open after we exhale, right? So it doesn't let the lungs to collapse, especially for inflamed uh, alveolus. What happens it when it collapses, it's very hard to open these alveolus again. So this is how we are losing that lung surface that is so important for the gas exchange. And with the PEEP, we are able to keep these alveolus open when on uh, exhalation. And again, it prevents from getting atelectasis. And as you know, atelectasis can cause other complications later. So PEEP, especially now, in the last two years, I believe a lot of people know what PEEP is because Mm -hmm. we use for the COVID patients a lot. Yeah, that is nice. Thank you for clarifying that. Well, where else in the world is helmet technology being used? So when I started the helmetbasedventilation.com two years ago in 2020 in March, the helmet was used mostly in Italy, in some parts of Spain, in uh, Lithuania, my country, and other European countries. Now, in a few months, people started to use in U.S., and hospitals like Mayo Clinic or uh, VA Hospital or Boston Medical, they all started to use helmets for the COVID patients. Now, Canada has uh, helmets also that we're using. Brazil, they actually made their own helmet and using uh, a lot of helmet CPAP therapy there. Argentina, Paraguay, like I said, in Europe, Portugal is using, Sweden, Poland, France, UK, Spain, and Ukraine actually is using. That's why we're working on getting more helmets for them. In Asia, India is using them, and they actually made their own helmet too, because during the first year of COVID, all the exports from Italy of helmets was forbidden, because we use in such a high numbers. And what happened, other countries just made their own helmets, and we're using them now. I worked with a few teams in Bangladesh. New Zealand, they also made the helmet, Saudi Arabia, Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria, and the list goes on and on. Because when I look at the traffic, who's coming to my website, I can see that almost every country checks the website and learning about the helmet, or at least is aware about it. That's a wonderful service that you're providing, Aurika. It's nice to know. And we are about at the end. That was a very, very helpful discussion about the helmet technology. Could you give us a parting message? Yes, it's going to be very simple. When you think about helmet, you wanted to remember that it is universally fit device. And it will allow the patient to breathe normally without causing any pain, any facial skin ulcers or necrosis. Also, it allows the patient to eat, drink without disrupting the non-invasive ventilation or our CPAP therapy. And also, it protects the staff from getting infected. And it's two to three times cheaper than the face mask. If we use helmets now instead of the face mask, we can save $449 million a year in U.S. And that calculation was done based on a Patel study that was back 
before COVID. So I can see that we probably could save even more today. I could see that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. And I'm here to help your audience. If you need anything, please go to helmetbasedventilation.com and you can contact me. I'm the one who responds to messages. And again, to help my colleagues at the bedside, to help nurses and doctors, Helmet can improve the workload in your unit or your facility. There you go. So you could contact Arika. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Medicine for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with family and friends. Rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Acast, and YouTube. Follow me on social media at Dr. Jet on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. See you on our next episode.